John chapter 8, let's begin in verse 56. Jesus says here, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. And then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. It matters very much who we believe Jesus to be. Where we spend eternity is based upon who we believe Jesus to be. Jesus is here speaking with these people, saying, Your father Abraham, the one that you look to, he rejoiced to see my day and, and he saw it and was glad, as we looked at a couple weeks ago. They're looking at him, You're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. But Jesus responds to them most assuredly, verily, verily, or truly, truly, something that you can be absolutely sure of, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That, that sentence caused their hearts to be filled with so much anger that they began to pick up rocks to stone him, to kill him, to execute him, immediately at that time, in that place, in their hearts, it's just rage that came. Not just one or two of them, but all those that are there, you, you, you see where they, they're taking up stones. Those religious leaders who are there, those that want to condemn him already, but those words that Jesus said, it was just like, that's it, we're killing you right now. And so they all begin to pick up stones to throw at him, to stone him, to kill him. Why would, why would that sentence bother them so much? Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Exodus, to chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, there's Bibles that are there under the pews. Um, but Exodus 3 is a passage, that a section of Scripture that's probably familiar to, to many here. You find here that Moses is there and he's tending his flock. It tells us that in verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he's just there, Moses is there, he's tending his flock. And now this angel of the Lord appears in this flame of fire that's there in the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, 
I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Incredible sight. We see things burn. We watch it. It gets consumed. But here's the situation. This bush is burning. He sees it burning, but it's not being consumed at all. And then the Lord, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. And then God says to him, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Incredible scene here. Can you picture this? Moses, he's going about his day. He's tending his flock, taking care of his sheep. And God speaks to him specifically from this bush that's on fire. Moses, Moses. God saying specifically to him, take take the sandals off your feet. You need to take the sandals off your feet. This ground that you're standing on is holy ground. Well, the Lord says to him, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up from that land to a good and large land. To a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. We have a plan. I'm calling you Moses. You're going to go and... and And you're going to go to the Pharaoh. I know it's been 40 years, but now you're going to the Pharaoh. You're going to leave your sheep behind. You're going to go to the Pharaoh and you're going to call him to let my people go. Here Moses is thinking, the last time that I was there, all they knew me to be was a murderer. Here I've I've run, I've been gone for 40 years. Now you're, you're calling me to go back. You're calling me to go to the Pharaoh to the leader of the most powerful empire in this entire world, and you're calling me to go and to tell him to let all the people who are working for him, all these people who are the slaves, all the people who are doing all the work that nobody else wants to do, you want me to go and tell him to let these people, all of them, go. So Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I can't do that. I can't go to him and tell him to let the people go. So God says, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. 
And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So you're calling me to go and to, to tell the Pharaoh this. You want me to go and to speak to your people and saying, God's called me to go and to be the one that he uses to let all of you go. You need to get behind me. We're leaving this place. We're going to a land of milk and honey. And Moses is saying, when I go to them, when I leave my sheep here and I, I go to your people and I say, God spoke to me from this bush that was out there in the desert and it was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed and God spoke to me. You, you can imagine in Moses' mind is that they're not going to believe me at all. They're going to think I'm nuts. They're, they're going to think I was dehydrated or I saw something that was just there is hallucinating in, 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 the, in the desert. But what am I going to tell them? When I go and I tell them, a bush spoke to me that was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And they say to me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. This moment in history this moment of God speaking to his people. This moment of God speaking specifically to Moses, who was going to be the one to lead God's people out of Israel, was one of the most important moments in all of history. It, it changed everything for God's people. Here they are. They've been enslaved to their taskmasters. They're, they're tortured. They're, they're in a situation that's just absolutely brutal. And God's saying, I haven't forgotten my covenants that I've made with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. These covenants that I've made to make a people for myself and to preserve you and to keep you. To take hearts of stone and to change them into hearts of flesh. This covenant that I made with you to be your God and for you to be my people. I haven't stopped. I haven't come to a place of being done with that covenant. I'm a, I'm a covenant keeper. I will keep this covenant with you. And here they are. They're, we're God's people. We're God's people. They all know we're God's people. And yet, here's these people, and they've fallen into Egypt, and, they're, and they're, they're doing some of the things that the Egyptians are doing, and they're forgetting their God, and they're questioning their God, and they're in a place of being tortured and difficulty and, and, and carrying bricks and making bricks and building things and doing things that all the slaves are to do. But God says, I see what's happening, and I'm going to deliver them right now. I'm going to work just in incredible ways through Moses, this one that I've called. Moses, this one that was placed in a, a basket and sent down the Nile. Moses, the one that, that the Pharaoh's daughter found and brought into the home. Moses, the one that lived there in Pharaoh's family rather than being killed. Moses, this one that, that was sent out into the wilderness for 40 years. I'm going to use him. 
I'm taking him from his sheep and I'm going to use him. And God says, you tell them when they ask what my name is, tell them I am who I am. You tell the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Using his name in a way in which they remembered, they knew. When they thought about the name of God, it's what did he say to Moses? I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. It's no wonder when Jesus is there amongst the people and they say, you've seen Abraham? Jesus is saying to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They knew exactly, exactly what he was saying. They knew exactly that he had just called himself God. They knew what he was saying. He, being a man, just made himself out to be God. Quick, grab stones now. Let's throw them at him. Let's kill him. That's a, a, a point of, of being worthy to be put to death immediately. He, being, being a man, just called himself, I am who I am. He just called himself by the name of God. And their response is, let's kill him. What's being said there as far as that, that phrase, I am that I am, signifies an just incredible doctrine as far as the character of our God. We see in Christ that he says, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here specifically he says, before Abraham was, I am. Alexander McLaren wrote about this. God said, I am that I am. All other creatures are links. This is the staple from which they all hang. All other being is derived and therefore limited and changeful. This being is underived, absolute, self-dependent, therefore unalterable forevermore. Because we live, we die. And living, the process is going on of which death is the end. But God lives forevermore a flame that does not burn out. Therefore, his resources are inexhaustible. His power is unwearied. He, need, he needs no rest for recuperation of wasted energy. His gifts diminish not the store which he has to bestow. He gives and is none the poorer. He works and is never weary. He operates unspent. He loves and is, loves forever. And through the ages, the fire burns on, unconsumed, undecayed. He never ends. You look at this and this is who he's saying that I am. I'm the one that my resources are inexhaustible. My gifts never diminish. I just continue on and on. I'm the one that is in need of nothing. I'm the one that has always existed. I'm the one that the fire can burn, but I am not consumed. I am that I am. And Jesus is saying, That's me. 
I'm the one that is the I am that I am. I'm the angel of the Lord that was there speaking through the burning bush. That was me speaking. That was me calling on Moses. The implications for this are just incredible. You, you, you think of these people, these religious leaders, picking up stones and saying, that's it. Let's kill them. Their hearts are in a place of, he just said, I am. He just called himself God, let's kill him. But what about, what about us? Who, who is that that is saying, Abraham saw my day and was glad? Who is that that said, before Abraham was, I am? We look at it and for some they say, well, Jesus claimed to be God, but, you know, just, I don't think he is. Not sure. The way that we think on this matters more than anything else in this universe. We look at Christ and see his life. We see one who not only clearly calls himself God, but also does things that nobody else can do. We, we see one who tells us that he has divine attributes, that he's self-existent. Revelation 1.8 tells us, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Even there at the end of the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We, we see that. Jesus is omnipresent. He tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of them. See that he knows all things. He knew all men. He knew their hearts. See that he's all powerful. We watch him. We watch him calm storms. We watch him heal blind people. We watch him cause lame people to, to walk. We watch him raise people from the dead. You look at his life, he does things that nobody else can do. We're told that he's unchangeable. Hebrews 1.10 says, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up. And they'll be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't ever change. We look in the Gospel of John where it tells us all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Colossians 1, 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. We watch him multiply fish in loaves. It's created out of nothing. We watch him turn water into wine. We watch him forgive sins. Where he just tells him, your sins are forgiven. Everybody's saying, how can he say that this man's sins are forgiven? 
Jesus is saying, what's harder to say? Your, your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. And Jesus says, so you know that I have the power to forgive sins. Take up your bed and walk. And the man takes up his bed and he walks. We see that even beyond that, Jesus, Jesus tells them that he'd rise again from the dead. I mean, you could take all of his life and, 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 and look at it and, and, and see all that he said that he was going to do. But then we come to that place of looking at the resurrection, telling them, I will rise again on the third day. You'll know that I'm he. You'll know that these things that I said about myself are true. You'll know that, that when I said that I'm the I am, you'll know that these things are true when I die on that cross. When I rise again on the third day. And what took place? He did just as he said he was going to do. For us, we, we, we look and we see all that God has done in history. We see the life of Christ and we see everything in history pointing ahead to Christ who was to come. And then we watch his life and we see perfection. And we see him do things that nobody else has ever been able to do but God himself. We see that he calls himself God. We look in scripture and we see over and over again referring to Christ as God. You see Thomas where he's there after the resurrection. Thomas is one who doubted for sure and known as Doubting Thomas. He's, he's saying, unless I put my fingers there in those holes, I, I'm not going to believe. He, he's the one that's just looking and, and seeing Jesus and he watched his life. He saw all of it, but he had come to a place of they just crucified him. He hung on that cross and And they crucified him. They put him to death. Even after the other disciples were saying, we saw him. He said, I'm not believing. Unless I I put my fingers there in the holes, I'm I'm not believing. And you see Jesus appear to Thomas. Saying, reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it into my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Don't don't be at a place, Thomas, where you don't believe. Come here, let me have your hand. Just put it there in in the holes. You saw me die on the cross. I said I was going to be there and I'd be buried for three days and then I'd rise again from the dead. And now I'm here. Go ahead, put your fingers there in my hands. Don't be unbelieving anymore, but be believing. And Thomas' response to Jesus, as he looks to Jesus, his response is, my Lord and my God. He got it. He understood. There was no picking up stones as far as what do we do with him. This is what he just said that he was. Thomas just responded by saying, you're my Lord and you're my God. You're the one that created everything. You're the one that spoke from that bush that was burning. When you said, I am I recognize, without a doubt, you are my Lord and my God. 
and he followed him for the rest of his life. It told us in Scripture that God was going to come. We saw it in Isaiah, where in Isaiah 9-6, referring to the Messiah who is to come, it tells us, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Way back in Isaiah 9-6, looking ahead to Christ who is to come, he will be called Mighty God. It will be Emmanuel, God with us. You see, in, in the Gospels where it refers to, to the one who is to come and the response is, he's, he's my Lord. My Lord is there in the womb. My Lord, my God. We think of the deity of Christ. When Jesus says, I am, and they picked up stones, they knew what he was saying. And yet, on this day, a couple thousand years later, we sit here this morning saying, and we believe that that was who he is and was. He's God. When he said, I am, we know that he was affirming, I am God. I have come here for you. I am the one that will take away your sins. I am the one that will pay the price for them. And I will be the one that makes it so that you can spend eternity with me in heaven. I was thinking about this as we were singing in the the first songs during worship. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. And then it goes on with the chorus. Grace is grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. And I'm singing that and and just thinking, what incredible grace we've been shown. The one who spoke from the bush saying, Moses, Moses. The one who spoke saying, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. Is the same one who came, born here on earth, laid in a manger, lived a perfect life, comes to the people, and says, before Abraham was, I am. And we're seeing God himself, fully God, there, having become fully man so that he could die on the cross for our sins. The one who created everything, holds everything in the palm of his hands. And he's there before Abraham was, I am. I'm the one in Exodus 3. I'm the one that spoke to Moses. I'm the one that was there to set the people free. I'm the one that sent the plagues upon the Egyptians. I'm the one that separated the Red Sea. I'm the one that led you into the promised land. I'm the one that's taken hearts of stone and changed them to hearts of flesh. I'm the one that made the covenant with you, and I'll keep it. And I'm here now 
to do it, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And to think, that is our God. That is our Savior. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin. To be at a place of, of seeking and just and saying, marvelous grace of our loving God. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. The one who created everything. And we just, we're here just saying, this marvelous grace. You, you all know your sin. You all know what it is that would keep you out of eternity in heaven. And, and to be able to sing a song that says, there on, on Calvary's mount was the blood of the lamb spilled. There. He was just about ready to go and die on the cross for, for our sins. And, 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 and we picture him with just blood pouring out from him. And to think, the one who went to the cross is the one who said before Abraham was, I am. I'm the one in Exodus. I'm the one that called a people to myself. I created you and I'm dying for you. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. You pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord, we love our salvation. We love you, our Savior. We think of Jesus speaking to those people. Speaking in no uncertain terms as far as this is who I am, I'm God. And their response is to pick up stones to kill him. I pray that on this morning, those that sit in these pews, when the question comes up is, who is Jesus? That the response wouldn't be to pick up stones. This response wouldn't be to ignore him. But the response would be to fall down and to worship him. To worship him with all that is within us. To praise him now and forevermore. To cling to him as the only hope for our salvation. To eagerly look forward to spending all eternity with you. May that be our response to the God who said to us before Abraham was, I am. May we see with no uncertainty this morning that without a doubt it was Jesus who was fully God that came to this earth who became fully man that he might be able to die on that cross for us. May that truth just cause our hearts to praise you with all that is within us this morning. Bless our time of worship. Bless our time of taking communion. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.